The Burroughs of Berea is a conversational podcast. We study the Bible and we talk about it. Not all of us are of the same faith, and one of us doesn't actually have a faith. And that's wonderful. We all love one another, and we're going to continue to talk about these things. The things we believe in and the things we believe about what we read in the Bible. Not all of these are necessarily true. Some of it is opinion and speculation. Thank you for listening and speculating with us. There you go. That was good. Yes. Stomps, stomps, stomps. <laughs> you are listening to the Burroughs of Berea. Well, welcome back to the Burroughs of Berea. I am Rick Welch, and to my left is Billy I. Candy Kimsey. Like cotton candy. Now that's some sweet fluffing. <laughs> <laughs> fluffing? Fl- you know, cotton Whoa. candy's fluffing. That's what they say is, about me. Because, you know, the, oh, he's the, not fat. He's fluffy. fluffy. The, fluffy. the fair's here. So, fluffy. yeah, you know, cotton candy. That's right. It's about here. that season. And uh, oddly to my left. Cherry, the Annihilator Lewis. Hello. I don't even know what song that was. Was that like a circus it's, song? It, yeah. Cherry, the lion tamer. No. <laughs> and Sarita, the edge, Edgerton. Hey, y'all. Hey, behind the glass, Rocket Man, Annie Bishop. <laughs> Big Daddy Carter. <laughs> oh, yeah. By the way. <laughs> Did you hear the stereo? Yes. Okay. It hasn't come out. These guys have, they've okay. heard it by this point though. The one in stereo is yeah. wild. <laughs> you guys haven't heard it yet. It's coming out. Oh, oh, there's a treat in the next one, too, with the one I did one today. Oh, did you? There's a treat in there, That's too. awesome. Is this Straight the one up. you forgot the F-bomb? Yeah, yeah. Okay. I got to go back and get the F-bomb out of it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, realized, I realized there's an F-bomb, an extraneous F-bomb, and the one I just, I didn't even mail it to you yet. Anyway, sorry. Yeah. Straight out of Compton, Ralph Hicks. Represent. And even though this isn't a holiday edition, Ooh. we haven't heard from her in a while. My wife, Holly, is here. Hello. Hey, Holly. Here is because we have a special guest today for our next testimony episode. Uh, my wife went to college with him at App State, and uh, I learned about App State after they beat Michigan. Is that um, all on your phone? Should it, is it too soon to say go? Do you do all that on your phone? Do all what on my phone? <laughs> the college. Wow. Hey, I wasn't there. Yes. App two State. out of three ain't bad. App State, yeah. <laughs> anyway, our, our friend Sorry. and my friend, Nick Eller. Hey. hey how, how do you follow the cotton candy thing? That's <laughs> You, you, you can You just, the, you just, just go do with your it. own thing. <laughs> There's yeah. a candy joke every single podcast. Yeah, melts, that's, that's, that's all I do. That's all I yeah, do. Melt, so, melts in your mouth, not in your hand. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It's, very, it's very fun. Uh, except for the times when he doesn't do it. You know, because we get we have too many in a row, and he's like, "I got nothing." If we surprise him, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That happened twice. Okay, one <laughs> come time. Come on, come on, one time. Okay, <laughs> just leave me alone already. Well, anyway, let's jump into this one. Okay, so Nick, first of all, thank you for being here, and um, it's it, this is by far the most that we've had in the studio for a while. It's been a while, so um, so I hope that you don't. Uh, <laughs> That's a lot of people, okay? That's a lot of people. Yeah, so Nick, have you um, have you listened to any of this podcast at all? I have. Have you listened to any of the testimony? I have. Okay, so then you know my first question that's coming. I do. So, to the best of your ability, can you tell me your earliest memory of when you heard the name Jesus Christ? So, I grew up in church. My parents had me in church for as long as I can remember. So, I would say earliest memory was probably in Sunday school from probably age around four or five. Wow. Yeah. And so, and that is, now you're from, originally from Robbinsville, North Carolina? I am. Yeah. And so, were you a Baptist? I am. Okay. Or was, or yeah, somewhere 
fallen somewhere in there. Right. Christian. Let's go with that. Okay. <laughs> Very let's good. Let's just go with that. So you're raised in church. So your yes. family were believers. Yes. All right. So nobody is born naturally a believer. This happens. It's a spiritual thing that happens to people. So take us to that point. I don't know when that happened for you. Was that young or was it older or? I'd say probably as a believer, uh, I would say, uh, you know, my high school years. Okay. When I, probably that's when I became more aware of, you know, what Christ had done, you know, as far as the crucifixion and all that. Mm-hmm. You know, that that's when I was aware of it, and it's when I chose to be a Christian. But Yeah, so, you ha- so tell us about that, that salvation story. Like, what's going on? It, it was something that— just internally, I've been dealing with questioning about. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, obviously, going through high school and all of that, I, I had a lot of questions. But I, always being in church and seeing, I'd seen several of my friends kind of go through that salvation journey themselves. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think a lot of that was kind of, you know, you've seen other people do it, and it was just like, you know, kind of. I don't want to say waiting my my turn, but I had questions. Sure. You know, as far as like, what was I feeling? And, you know, hey, was I, I guess, quote, unquote, lost? Was, you know, what was going on inside? What would happen if, if I was to die today? You know, what mm-hmm. would happen, you know, 16, 17-year-old me, what would happen if I was to die then? You know, what what happens with my soul then? And that, that was some of the stuff that, that I was kind of questioning. And I think I, I became more and more aware of that. And finally kind of came to a breaking point at, at that point in time of, hey, I know that there's something missing. Mm-hmm. And and that's when I kind of decided to turn things over to God at that point. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I chose to chose to be a Christian at that point at a young age. Yeah. Was that in was that in a church setting or was it that it was. It was. Yes. So like an altar experience? Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you remember those days? I don't know. Anybody else went to the altar oh, yeah. in this room? Yeah. Yeah, you feel that feeling, like that nervous, like you're dying, and you have to get up in front of everybody and walk down, and you know. But boy, I tell you, when you get it's down the there, the walk of shame almost. It feels like it, doesn't it? Yeah. But then when you get down there, then after everybody says, like, I feel like a weight came off me, you know. And I always wondered, is like, is that because you were nervous and now you're not? <laughs> I know what it meant. <laughs> Probably, I get yeah. it. Well, I like that he said it was a choice. It was, you know, when he chose to believe. Yeah, that's a that's a choice I can get behind. Mm-hmm. Sure. And then I think, like, Cherry, you had a salvation experience in the pew, mm-hmm. right? And yes. so did you, right, Sarita? Your husband led you. That's correct. In the pew. That's correct. How about you, Billy? I was in church. Yeah, you were in church. Yeah. Was it Altar your husband? Experience? No. Okay. Was it your what? That's, so was it your husband? Yeah, that's the podcast husband, after this. <laughs> yeah, did your, yeah, did your husband lead you to the Lord? So, and yours too, Holly. You went. Yes. It was an altar experience. Now, what, now, Ralph, was you were you were a little bit different, right? Because for you, this was about taking communion. For you, well, like, yeah, I, w- I was I was raised in church, but yeah, for me, I was sitting in the pew, and the Lord said, "Come on up." 
to receive Holy Communion, and I was scared to death. And I'm, it's funny, I was just telling somebody about this yesterday. When I got to the end there, I didn't remember exactly, because I'd just become an altar boy, so I hadn't been watching people from the front to see what they do. So I took a step to the left out, and I turned around, and I looked at the person's face in front of me. They said, amen. They closed their eyes, put their head back, and stuck their tongue out. So I said, I can do that. <laughs> so I was next up. I said, amen. Ah. <laughs> and, and that was it. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. So, so Nick, you're not you're in good company in here because a lot of people have had that similar experience. So, so what changes? Like for you, you're you're a teenage boy. You're um, you're obviously you're curious at 16, 17. There's a lot going on. So, take us from there to now. Like, tell us a little bit about your life and and what it was like once you first became a believer. So, I think what a lot of people probably experience early on, right? Like, it's easy. Mm-hmm. You know, it's easy to live that life early on. And for me, I felt that, you know, it was easy to to stick to those values and things like that. And then life happens. Yeah. Right. Um, so that was 17 years old, mm-hmm. um, turned 40 years old in July. Mm-hmm. And uh, I have lived, I would say probably... Somewhere in my mid-20s was probably the onset. Uh, I have lived most of that up until I was 40 with unmedicated bipolar and PTSD. Mm. And so there's been some experiences throughout that. Now, um, there's been a marriage, three kids um, that have that have happened in between there. Um, uh, and then... Um, Kind of most, and I guess the the bulk of my story is, uh, or the the most impactful part of my story is kind of what happened uh, up until the the last part of getting help, mm-hmm. um, which was uh, the hardest part to talk about. So there's been you know two suicide attempts mm. in in that, which the mental health side doesn't get talked about a whole lot, right? And no, and I mean, and that's something. Yeah, but it's common with PTSD and it's common with uh, uh, bipolar. Yeah. And I, I think probably from a, I mean, it's, I think it's a little bit better now than it used to be in the church, but it was sort of a hush-hush thing that we didn't talk about. I feel no. like that was everywhere, though. Well, that's what I mean. Yeah. yeah I, feel like it was I think it's better now. Cultural. Not, cultural. Just, not just church. It was cultural at large. Well, that's true, but yeah. I think it's a little bit different in church, Andy, because we... God solves all your problems. Ah, so, so well, I mean, the, there's there's always that thing where like being sick is somehow ungodly yeah. in a way. Like like people don't outwardly think that, but it's always got that stench. There is of there, like, why are you sick? What did you do? Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so so it went hush hush, you know. But so for you, Nick, you've had you've been diagnosed now, right? Mm-hmm. So before yes. you lived most of your life undiagnosed with this, but you Correct. had these issues. You, yes. You also had a wreck, a pretty severe wreck. Yes. Correct. Yes. Can you can you talk about that? Yes. Yeah, so when I was uh this was actually my senior year. So this wasn't much long so this wasn't far after actually becoming a Christian. Yeah. I had a uh really bad automobile accident, uh put me in the hospital for three days, uh unconscious. Uh wasn't expected to survive that. Uh, so that was kind of a miracle in and of itself. Uh, they can't they can't pinpoint that that was actually the cause of anything. However, there's you know there's a lot of theories out there in the medical community right now as far as you know 
the issues with you know b- severe brain injuries like oh, that yeah. and how that contributes to it. That sort of physical trauma yeah. results in brain injuries yeah. all of the time. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. And when you think about you know the NFL have really been getting into this lately about concussions or more than one concussion. You know, a, mm-hmm. a wreck where you're knocked out for three days. It's a big, a little bit Sam, different type of trauma. Sam Keniston to Keniston cite, of Keniston, yep. whatever his name is, to cite a really old example was a completely different human being before and after a car wreck. Yes, the character you know was a result of a physical injury, mm. like literally different person. I didn't know that because I know yep. that he was he was like a Christian pastor. Did you yeah, know that? A lot of that was actually after the car wreck. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Because okay. it was the same attention-seeking sort of thing that put him into stand-up comedy. But he was like, he was not a big old spaz. He's just like, he was like kind of a mild-mannered nice guy, got in a car wreck, and then he was like Sam Kennison. He's like screaming and doing lines of coke. <laughs> and like all at once. I know, yeah. All at once. Yeah. That's crazy. It happens. You guys know who Sam Kennison is, oh, yeah. right? No, oh, yeah. My, one of my favorite things he talks about is going, they wanted to send food to the Ethiopians. And he would go <laughs> over there and he would say, he'd grab a handful of sand and he'd say, you see this? Nothing grows in it. You need to move to where the food is. <laughs> <laughs> He's not lying. Anyway, so, but it's yeah. Tougher. I mean, I mentioned it's tougher too. I mean, you're you're a boy, you're a growing boy. And, you know, you're kind of raised, at least in, in my southern home is, you know, if you're hurting, you just rub some dirt on it and you get over it. And you yeah. get past it. Yeah. Well, they didn't change that for the North, for the record. <laughs> <laughs> and my daughter's just the same way. You rub some dirt on it, you'll be fine. Yeah, yeah really? Yeah. yeah, just yeah. yeah. shake it off and move on. Well, it was something, I mean, for me, uh, and this isn't saying anything bad about anyone else. I mean, that was in my life at the time. It was just not something that we talked about. Yeah. You know, I mean, as far as the things going on internally, it was you just didn't speak about it. That was just, you know, I mean, there were certain triggers that caused a lot of things that looking at it now, the more and more I've learned about kind of what was going on in my head, it's like, okay, that makes sense now, but it's, you know, you just didn't, you just chalked it up to, you know, being a jerk. <laughs> yeah. <know? laughs> well, when you're young, when you're young like that, you don't have the maturity to understand what's going on. And if no one's talking about it, that means, well, maybe it's only me and maybe something's wrong with me. Exactly. And you internalize that stuff. But sometimes um, we can ben- we're benefiting from having Google at our fingertips 24 seven. Sure. But in your case, maybe your parents just didn't know. Yeah. Because, for instance, my son got a concussion playing football last fall, and I was doing some research on the internet, and I saw that it can cause suicidal ideation, depression. Nobody told me. The doctor didn't tell me that. If I hadn't been Googling it or duck-duck-going it, then I would not have known. Mm -hmm. And so a friend of mine called and said, hey, could you pray for my son? He just has a concussion. And I said, let me tell you this in case nobody else has. Watch for the signs of depression. No one told me Mm -hmm. until it was almost too late. That's something that we're literally, that we as a species have learned in our own lifetimes. Like that is not, yes. like in the 80s, they weren't worried about how concussions affected you like that? No, no, no. no. They're, they're, they're now di- they're now cutting up uh, the the brains of guys from the NFL that had so many concussions because so many of them have tried to kill themselves and many have succeeded. What's that one guy? He literally NFL guy killed himself in his suicide later. Begged them to yes. cut his brain open. I don't remember his name, but like I remember that. Yeah. Wrong was that with the Will me? Smith Smith movie? Oh, I don't that know. he did about the concussions. 
Concussed or... I don't know. I I didn't see that. I could only imagine that case was in it. Yeah, I I do remember what you're talking about, that there there was one gentleman, he was, I think he was a linebacker for the uh, um, New England Patriots. Mm -hmm. He was number 54. And I think Teddy Bruschi? Yeah. An extreme case to, I guess, I guess it's good to say that. An extreme case, right? Not... Yeah, you know. Well, I mean, but it's they're they're discovering they're they're changing the rules in the NFL just simply because of that, right? So, in in Nick's case, so he has this this automobile accident. And he's uh, you know under basically in a coma for three days. Yeah. Is it medically induced or were you just in a coma? Uh, I don't know. Uh, there's a lot of questions that I have about it, but honestly, it's so long. I don't even remember anything from the wreck. Right. I can tell you, I remember. From the time that it happened, from from that day, I was helping coach a little league team. Uh-huh. I remember leaving the field, went to a gas station, and went in to get a drink. And then from there, I remember waking up in the hospital three days later. Mm. And everything in between then, nothing. Yeah, I just Wild. erased it. So, just out of curiosity, mm-hmm. can you remember, like, so after the wreck... Did you notice any kind of changes in your own behavior after the wreck or does it, do you know? There's nothing. So for me, there's nothing that really, there's nothing that sticks out Mm -hmm. because I think at the time that it happens, right? Like you're still in such a developmental phase, Mm -hmm. um, late teens, early twenties, stuff like that. Like everything's still, still growing into that person that you are. Right. Right. So, and on top of that, like, I mean, literally, they they sign off on you. You're you're out the door, the doctor. Yeah, right. And there's like where we're at. There's there's no go seeing a psych doctor or anything like that. They're mm-hmm. just you know you're on your way. So you know, and and head injuries and the things like that. Like we're not talking about that stuff at yeah. that time. Yeah, right. they're just like, hey, we saw that you weren't bleeding, so if you could free this bed up. <laughs> That's basically the case. Are we right? So, Pretty much. All right, so let's talk about the other side of the coin here after this wreck. So I'm assuming you're a believer, your family are believers. Yeah. You're in the hospital. I'm assuming that the church and everyone around knew this. There's going to be prayers yes. for you, vigils, prayer vigils about you, right? Yeah. You come out of this. Yeah. Do you have this experience where this is like, it's a miracle, you're alive and everything. Did, did any of that kind of stuff happen? There was, so all I have to go on is like the stories from it. Okay. Right? So, so you don't even remember after the fact? I remember, I mean, at that point, like when I got home, there was there was so much medicine involved in it that, you know, yeah. <laughs> still that, that week or so after it was still kind of, right. you know, you're just in and out of really good naps at that point. Mm-hmm. But, uh yeah, I know I know from the injuries that I had and from what everything that the doctors had told my parents and what information that my parents gave me, like I shouldn't have lived through it. Right. You know, like like uh my dad my dad's the only one that saw the truck and refused to have pictures of it or anything else like that. Like mm-hmm. the insurance company had the pictures of it and that's it. Yeah. Like Dad was basically like, didn't want to talk about it. Let's not talk about it. I don't want to talk, you know, yeah. just leave it be. It's too much for him to think what could have been. Yeah. And so let's not dwell on that, right? Yeah. All right. So 
We've been kind of talking about the wreck as if it had some sort of an effect on you, possibly for bipolar. There's, I guess, nobody knows, right? I think, so, I think I that know. sort of stuff is difficult to say That's all right. the time. Frequently, it is difficult to directly attribute stuff like that. Yeah. Right. I mean, it's. I guess we could say that it's possible, but we don't know for certain. So, take us from that point. Now, you after the wreck, you are living your life. You decide to get married. You start having children. From the point that later on in life, when you because you, you most you got diagnosed pretty recent, right? Within the last year or so, within the last what five months? Okay, so probably within the last five months. So you've been undiagnosed this whole time. Yes, that's rough. Yeah, so you're that's living. Rough. It is rough because you and I know people that are undiagnosed bipolar. I know they are, and it's brutal. I I feel so bad for them. They're, they suffer. They and you think that. When you try to tell them, you know, that you think I'm crazy and all that, and it's like, no, that's not, that's not what I'm saying. You know, it's what, what I, you're suffering. You just don't realize that you're suffering. Mm-hmm. You know, so t- so tell us. So you're a believer. Are you still in church? Yes. Okay. And so you get married and you're having children. You're still in church. Yes. Okay. But you have all of these things going on. Like what? What's happening? You're undiagnosed, but what's happening in your mind? It's it's really the easiest way to explain it now, having finally getting some treatment now that's that's work like everything's working the best way to describe it is take the simplest feeling that you have like the simplest emotion that you have and then turn the volume all the way up to 10 mm-hmm. all right so like and i'm trying to think of just some way to compare it but it's like every little wrong is like an epic. Exactly. You yeah. know, yeah. I mean, it, or, or it can be the other way, right? It could be like one little good thing. One, yeah. You're just like so excited. It's into it's the good, euphoric but, state but, almost. Yeah. It, it, but, but every wrong is also like the worst thing that's ever happened. Hmm. There are times. So I would experience with mine, I would experience it. There wasn't much of a consistent baseline is the easiest way. To, like, I couldn't go through long periods of time where I was just even-keeled. Mm-hmm. Right now, in the last five months, I've been as even-keeled as I've been in a long time. Mm-hmm. But, like, you go through these cycles, right? And you go, like, really high euphoric states where, like, you have tons of energy. You, you want to do all this stuff. You don't sleep very much. There were I would go weeks at a time doing two, three hours of sleep at night, just you know, on the go constantly. And then you hit these depressive states where weeks at a time, all you want to do is sleep. You don't want to do anything mad at everything in the world. And it's like every little thing's a trigger. Right. Mm -hmm. And then it's just like the littlest things get you. So like I drove 26 today, y'all. I'm feeling you. So me too. I can tell you it's the treatment and the meds are working, y'all. It didn't flip out. <laughs> so, but, um, I mean, the little things, like now, they don't bother me that much, right? Mm-hmm. But when you're going through that, I mean, it's, I'm not going to sit here and say that it cost me my relationships. I mean, it's, it's, it's changed what life is like right now. Mm-hmm. Um, won't go into too much detail on that, but I mean, I mean, as it stands right now, like, and I don't mind talking about 
I mean, anything's fair game, right? But, I mean, it's caused me to have less time with my kids. Um, you know, it's caused strain on so many relationships. And, you know, I didn't know any better at the time. There for a while, it strained my faith. Mm-hmm. But In what way, though? How, how would you say? I question why, honestly. Yeah. I mean, if I'm just being completely honest, because... Why Why you? Like, why you have it? Or why what? Part of the time, yeah. Um, you cool if we get into the suicide stuff? Like, I mean, I don't mind talking about it if what you don't if, yeah. mind. I mean... As long as you're comfortable, that's all. I, yeah, it's, it's you, not gonna, it's not it, us. It's not going to trigger or bother me at all. Okay. Like, I'm, I'm cool, like... But, like... You're cool with suicide. <laughs> cool. I mean, <laughs> sweet. I don't mind. Yeah, I know, right? I'm just kidding. Before uh, we, I have, I have what's a little bit of an icky question before we go there, but yeah. I've heard it from other people yeah. that have similar things going on. Do you, do you ever miss it? Do I miss what? The, the, the highs. Like, cause I know some people, it's some bipolars will stop taking the medications cause they're just, they get bored. I know that's like a weird and dark question in a way. No, but I've seen that, Andy. Wow. Yeah, There's yes. one person in my life that they stopped the medication. Yeah, bipolar. They sometimes. were artists yeah. and their creativity. Huh? I thought of that person immediately. Really? Yeah. They lose their creativity. It's not super uncommon. Right. It's not even creativity. It's for other people that aren't artists. It's just, right. oh, I'm, oh, I'm mid all the time. Yeah. You know? So, so that's like, I'm sorry, that feels weird. And weird no, though. not at all. But I'm not. So I'm not like an adrenaline junkie. Yeah, I think I think that's yeah right. And I think that's difference. my personality. So like when I got in those states, I was very uncomfortable ah. with it. And I think that was so. Whether I was high or low, both of them were my, uncomfortable. My my intensity level, my anger level, and aggression levels were way up because I was very uncomfortable being in either state. So, uh, okay, that makes yeah. sense. So it was bad all around. All around. All so bad. you like the mid? I love the mid. Okay. That's where I prefer to live at. All right. Yeah. All right. So now, before we get into the suicide yeah. um, stuff, so you said that it affected your faith, right? It did. Okay. And then obviously, if, if you're thinking about suicide, so what is it like in your faith? Are you just asking God, why do I have this? Or you're not asking that. You're just, it's the situations of your life. Because of it, or like, what's happening here? Why do I? Ha- I was asking, why do I have it? Why can't I get relief from it? Mm-hmm. And why is it destroying so much of my life? Mm-hmm. Because I had, I mean, at the time, I had this. I mean, it was cookie cutter, right? Like, you had the marriage, you had the kids, had the house. All the stuff. The that, minivan, the white picket fence, the whole... Everything, right? That's right, yep. And then it's like... And I was a planner. I had all this stuff planned. And I mean, boy, you talk about having... You know, I mean, probably August of last year was when things started getting turned on its head. And that's when I started cycling. I mean, once again, unmedicated. That's when cycling started happening a lot quicker. And then just as that... And cycling is a term that's used, especially yes. with bipolar... Yes. I've heard of cycling and rapid cycling yes. bipolar disorder where people's emotions go on this wild roller coaster. Yes. You know, very circular. It's kind very of an circular. image of a sine wave yeah. up, down. Mm-hmm. And the frequency, it, as it gets to cycle, it starts to bunch together. Mm-hmm. So the, it goes More up intense, and down. Yep. Yeah. Quicker. Yeah. 
So you've had all right. So now we can move on to the yeah. the other subject. So take us there. So what what's why what's going on in your mind that says okay, I've had enough. Um, both times, I just wanted relief. To be completely honest about it, mm-hmm. I mean, I was I was done questioning. Mm-hmm. Um, and once again, like. Um, the first time, the first time was just stress related. Mm-hmm. Um, there had been a big, a big falling out. Um, some things had been said, uh, in between and, uh, you know, you talk about. You mean a falling out in a relationship of yours? Um, outside of my marriage. Okay. Um, just with another, with another person. Okay. Uh, uh, you know, it was, a. Just some things that were said that kind of triggered to where I was just like, I don't want to, I was just like, if this is where, if this is where my life is heading in this direction, I don't want to deal with it. Mm-hmm. And um, God bless him, my son, uh, my oldest son refused to leave me that day. Mm-hmm. Like he's 14 and he would not leave my side that day. And, um, you know, and I think part of it, <laughs> Yeah, you know, and, and you talk about like, and I strongly believe this, right? Like, like God, God was at work throughout this whole process to where there was just things in place to where it just wasn't going to happen mm-hmm. that day. Like, I, because I wasn't going to do anything with my son there. Mm-hmm. I, I would not do that. I wouldn't, you know, in the weird way that my brain worked, I was like, I would not do that with him there. Mm-hmm. And, so I had everything, literally had everything sitting out on the bed, and his um, his grandma showed up to pick him up, to take him back with her, and my cousin showed up two minutes before she showed up, hmm. and if she hadn't have showed up two minutes before hmm. the grandmother showed up, I'm probably not here. Wow. Like that's, and you talk about like. And the more and more I think back to that, like that was May or June. Mm. Oh, the time runs fuzzy there. May or June. And so I go for the first of two stays. This this first day was completely useless, total waste of money. They don't they didn't do anything at this particular facility. But okay, this so was So you're going you could go you're checking in. I checked I voluntarily checked in. Okay. That's when I knew that something was up. Right. Like First time that I'd actually acknowledged that, that you were hey, really going to do it, and so you acknowledge that and put yourself yeah. in. So even up. even so, that feels like a really a self awareness that a lot of people never quite reach. It honestly. was if it wasn't for I, I sat there and probably spoke with my cousin for probably forty five minutes to an hour, and um, and she talked some sense into me. Um, and you know, so I, I went and checked. I didn't know fully what I was getting into, right? Um, and, and so I went and, and checked into the ER, and um, it, it wasn't. I will say it is not a, a great or glamorous experience by no means. Yeah, I, I think we all yeah. are at least vaguely aware of how yeah. terrible the mental health system in the United States but, of America is. But it's um, bordering on pathetic. It, mm-hmm. it was uh, it was not a good experience at all. But um, 
that that particular um, that. So I went to the ER there. They they sent me to a facility in in Knoxville. Was there for was there for seven days. Um, not much happened there. To be completely honest with you, they diagnosed me with the. They didn't even really diagnose me with anything hmm. other than depression. Okay. Gave me some antidepressants, basically up my antidepressants, sent me so out So they the immediately door. give you something to ingest. Basically. To alter your yeah. state mm-hmm. with very limited diagnosis. Yeah. And guess what I'm happens? I'm shocked. I'm yeah. shocked to hear that. Yeah. Guess what happens when you give somebody with bipolar antidepressants? They want to kill themselves. Uh, it je- it makes you cycle faster. Yeah. Really? Yes. I was not aware of that. Yeah. yeah. It, it picks you up. It's like speed almost. Yep. And amps you up. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously, this is. I mean, for you to know that, so you've there's other facilities, but so is this? You were in an ER, so you were in a hospital, like a regular hospital, or were you in like a treatment facility? So you go. So I went to the ER first, and then they basically put you in a hallway. But this particular ER put me in a hallway. Mm-hmm. Let me sit there for about a full day, mm-hmm. and then ambulance comes and gets me and takes me to psychiatric hospital do you have anybody talking to you at this time not much no no so there's no counseling really nope oh man er's are not built for that at all i've been to er for this particular reason four times and each time uh you waited to get a room not not for yourself no 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 okay waited to get a room and then you, you wait anywhere from six hours to three days to meet with a psychiatrist because there aren't enough. Six hours to three days. Yeah. Oh, mm-hmm. yep. The first time we waited six hours, and the other times it was one was a day. Well, you guys, I told you guys about it when I came yeah. back from those. One of them, we were there for three days, and they finally wanted the bed, so they kicked us out without, <laughs> you know, they said, we're not going to do this, we're not going to do this, and we're not going to release you. Oh, by the way, we need the bed, so you're out of here. And we couldn't get the help we needed. Wow. Yeah. yeah. So you so this first stint you go in it's pretty much a waste and they actually diagnose you incorrectly and they give you the wrong medication yep. which actually makes it worse. Yeah. Okay, so then at this stage now you've got people in your life, you've got a job. Yep. You've got family. Yep. Uh you've got your of course your close family. Mm-hmm. You know, and then of course your you know your parents and then the parents of the fa- you know what I mean like you've got yeah. cousins everybody knows right so now you've done this now of course I don't know the total story but I've I've seen other people go through this there's like a stigma that comes along with this if you're the kind of person that's willing to go and check yourself into a place like this mm-hmm. that people will begin to think in a negative way because oh oh well there's something wrong with him right yeah. did you encounter any of that there were people that started. Uh, how would you put it? Um, making space between making me and space, them. Yeah. You know, I guess that would be the best way. Putting distance between me and, and them. And using that as an excuse for it or whatever? Mm-hmm. Or, or I, I would assume so. I, w- I was not being told that. But mm-hmm. uh, at the same time, though, um, and I'll use you and Holly as an example. I had people that, you know, was getting close to again in my life that, you know, I mean, like I said, I think God put y'all back in my life to, you know, during, to help me during that time because we, you know, that's when we were talking and, you know, our friendship was getting close. I just knew you as the weird sock dude. Like, that's all I knew. (laughs) I'm glad I got to know (laughs) you. We'll talk about that later. Sorry. That's that's a story for a different podcast. (laughs) So you you got some help. 
Yes. And now you're on the correct medicine. How has that affected your relationship with your kids and your so wife and, and you just family? fast forwarded know, a lot. Yeah. A you job. fast forwarded there a bunch, buddy. But that's good. <laughs> Hold that question and answer his question after this part. Yeah. So, in between one and two, you've got all of these um, these things going on yeah. with your people, your kids, yeah. and all this, right? So. Take us to that second stint. Why, so you've already had this idea, and then you're yeah. glad that you were talked out of it. Your cousin, yeah. thank God your cousin was there, right? Yeah. But yet it comes again. It comes again. This is because you are still un- undiagnosed. Stronger, yeah. Come stronger next time. Okay. Right? Because if it doesn't happen the first time and things just get left alone, I mean— Or possibly exacerbated with medica- the wrong medication. Exactly. Which— it's so hard to find the right medication for people anyway, sometimes, even when you're going in the right direction. Exactly. So, you know, so this time, this time is uh, 40th birthday, believe it or not. Mm. Um, just going into, just to give a generalized overview of it, I was not, I was not in a good spot. I was not in a good headspace. Um, everything's falling apart around me, mm-hmm. Right. So, I was yeah. Uh, yeah, I was convinced that I was losing everything everything. Yeah. My kids everything. Um you know, at that point the reality had fully set in that you know, the marriage is not there's no saving the marriage. Mm-hmm. I mean, and you know, that's that's being kind of just drilled into my head. The unfortunate thing that I that I can say from even from my own experience in my first marriage, was that if if you go undiagnosed for a long time, you're acting as you would consider normal. Mm-hmm. And your normal may not be normal for everyone else. Exactly. And so they're having to endure these cycles that you're going through, mm-hmm. and it's affecting them emotionally, mentally, yeah. physiologically even. You know, to the point where your kid might say, I got a stomach ache because they, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. so you have to, that's the hardest part is that you don't realize that because you were undiagnosed for so long, just, and so was I undiagnosed mm-hmm. for so long, I had no idea that the trauma that I had went through as a child was affecting me in my adult life. I had no clue that that was even feasible. I said this on a recent podcast, but the unreliable narrator thing. You're yeah. an unreliable narrator are. for exactly. your own for life. Our own life. Yes. That's exactly it's right. It's crazy. So at some it's level, true. you like for me, I can't say this for you, but I can say this for me, that as I'm living my life, and I think that as <laughs> I'm, I'm the unreliable narrator of my life, that I don't realize the damage that I've already done. And unfortunately, it's not a get-out-of-jail-free get no, exactly. card whenever you get the diagnosis. No, you're right. You still have to live with the consequences of the actions that you have. No. And that's the worst part, which would make you want to cry out, God, why am I this way? Yeah. Right? Look at this. I've lost, you know, I remember I had those moments too out there yelling at the sky, like, why am I like this? Why have I destroyed this relationship? Oh, exactly. You know? Exactly. And I was, I mean, I was there, like I said, my 40th birthday. And I mean, it was literally... I raided the medicine cabinet, mm. tried to ingest anything I could get a hold of. I had a bottle of whiskey at the house, Ooh. tried to drown it down. I mean, and I just remember, just remember sitting there in the, in the living room and just a handful of stuff. And I was just, I, the last thing I said was, I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. And I just threw it all in my mouth. 
and I went and laid down, and I remember falling asleep, and I woke up, and I've never been so mad to wake up in my whole life. Like, mm-hmm. that's how far off I was. Mm-hmm. And, you know, thankfully, uh, thankfully my, uh, my support system, my aunt, you all, mm-hmm. my, you know, had one other friend was there to support me to help me get through hell. Like I say, you, my emergency contacts, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Like, um, Every day since, you know, we went, I, I finally, finally got the right help, right? Finally got in the right place. Um, did have to go back, do the emergency room thing again. Went, went to a different facility this time. Uh, got the right diagnosis. Got, and they had therapy sessions during that. Honestly, um, I'll get to the, to the question where, that you were talking about right now. Um, I don't mind saying I get to see my kids one hour a week is, is what I get. I get supervised visits right now because while I was in um while I was in uh treatment this last time, um some things were put out on me just because of what had happened. Mm-hmm. And um and wasn't um It's the snowball effect. Yeah, it was the snow it was That's the consequence. Happens. It yeah. was the consequence of, of my actions. Right. And um, so but it feels like and, it feels like it's all raining down on you. It does, but yeah. I mean it. It is the unreliable what it is. narrator. Yeah, it exactly. Keeps coming back, Andy, just like you know? what you said. So couldn't go home. Um, you know, parents put me up in a hotel for a week. Came over and stayed with Rick and Holly for a couple nights. Um, went and um, because I I needed to be back in Knoxville for some things. Spent a little little time in my car for a week. Um, I see my kids for one hour a week for supervised visitation. Just because that's that's what is agreed to right now. Well, now that you have the the treatment and diagnosis and, yeah. and everything, hopefully that'll yeah, hopefully that'll turn around and the, the the powers that be will look at that and 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 that's the thing about it though, like where I was at, if I had kept on going like without getting the help or anything like that, you know, this is not a for me. This is about hey. I'm on the I'm on now the in the best shape that I've been in in a long time mentally. You know, this is still this is a journey in progress. I'm not done by any means, right? But you know, I if if I didn't have the right people, if God hadn't put the right people at the right times, I'm not here. I mean, and well, the people in your life, like your family and everybody, they're, family, re- they're relieved that you, these two right here, you're getting treatment. have been amazing. Yeah. My family's been really supportive of me. Um, you know, reconnected with God through this. If you don't mind me asking, how'd you connect again with Holly and Rick? If Phone that's call. okay. Oh, really? Okay. <laughs> Phone call. I was thinking she Facebook. reached out to you or you reach out to Holly? I reached out. Okay. Okay. We've, we've kind of had that. It's like, what, pretty much. That's kind of how our our friendship has been. It's been a, you know, we may talk every day and then not talk for two years. And then randomly one of us will call the other and we just pick right up where we yeah, left off. We were on a trip. I remember we were, we, I can't remember where we were going, hon, but we, it seems like we went through Knoxville. We were, where were we going? Uh, yeah. That's when we were doing the movie. Oh, that's right. Nashville. That's right. When we went to Nashville for the movie and we were going through 
uh, <laughs> Knoxville. And she was like, I need to call my friend Nick. And I was like, what? Who? She's like, he lives here. Nick. Nick, my friend from college. is like, oh, oh, the sock guy. <laughs> we'll get to it later, I promise. I'm not going to leave you yeah, hanging. The teaser. <laughs> yeah. You, Hey, you notice what's right next to you, right? Look at that. Bam. <laughs> Look at eye candy's feet. Yeah, eye candy's bare feet. We'll talk about this later. Yeah. So, all right. So, Nick, listen. Sock? So, from, from what I'm hearing, okay, yes, you have supervised visits, but you yeah. get to see your kids. Yeah. And so, now you know that prior to... If something had not have intervened, that your kids could have witnessed something have happening to you? They could have. I, I mean— So, it's not necessarily a bad thing that these people decided this for your children. Not at all. No. See, that's—see, did you hear what he just said? Not at all. Right. That is the road to recovery. Right. Because yeah. when you're—if you're lashing out in anger, like, you sons of bitches, you're yeah. keeping me away from my kids, and I would feel that way. He's—and a lot of a lot <laughs> of parents can justify that feeling. Absolutely. Yeah. But for him to say that, that's saying, okay, now I know. Yeah. I've got to get my—dad's got to get Ooh. better. And if dad can get better, then I can be dad. Right. Yeah. I mean— That's awesome. I look at it as—and this is— well, and I yes, I did say some. sons of bitches on a Bible podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, like, for me, it's yeah. the one hour. I mean, honestly, for me, it's the best hour that I get uh, during the week. Yeah. So, awesome. I mean, it is my best hour. But that one hour that I get now is better than the week that I would have with them if I was going untreated. Right. Like, I mean, in all honesty. Like, I agree with you. you. Know. After my divorce, seeing my kids for a couple hours was we'd go to the park and just hang out and do whatever. And I'd go home and there'd be nothing to do. and I'd be bored and I'd be this. But those looking forward to after work, getting to see them for a couple hours. And then, you know, that was, that was, that was great. Yeah. I mean, it's, it, it really is. It's, it's the highlight. I always, uh, I, I tell them when I see them ever say, I'm like, this is a highlight of my week. Yeah. Right. And I mean, and it's not like it's, it's not like it's something that's, uncordial or or anything like that and there's there's no ill will i mean it's just this is what needs to be done to get better right now yeah so can i ask a question yeah when and for anybody that's listening that that may be struggling with something where they don't seem like things are going right in their life like Mm -hmm. you were dealing with that were unmedicated can you maybe talk about a little bit when you were reaching out and you had friends that were at least responding to what you were talking about yeah. because they had an emotional connection with you. But when you sit in front of a healthcare worker yeah, and you're trying to talk to them and you're trying to explain to them because they only get like 15 minutes of you, yeah, can you talk about how you were able to convince somebody to help you with the right treatment? Well, the first time I didn't do very well at it at all. That's understandable. You know, I, I mean, I think um, – First, it's about getting in front of the right people. That's true, you know, and, and um, you know, just general family family care doctors are probably not going to be the best. I mean, it would be best to get them to reference you to refer you to uh, well, to there's someone. A, definitely steps and processes. You know, um, you know, I would I would say if anything, because um, I'm the part that you one thing that you you said why me. Mm-hmm. And there's a, I don't know, and I'm, we kind of go back to the chosen part a lot in yeah. some of our podcasts. We talk about them. Do you remember the discussion? If you, I don't know if you've seen it, but I know Rick mm-hmm. has, and some of us have had the Barabbas conversation with Jesus, because Barabbas had a, had an issue with himself, mm-hmm. and he wasn't healed. Mm-hmm. Oh, Barabbas? Was it Barabbas? Mm-hmm. No, no, it was Barnabas. Was it Barnabas? 
Oh, you're talking about one. Yeah. Okay. So you're are you talking about one of the disciples? Yes. Little James. Was it, no, it wasn't little James. The one that wasn't healed. Yes. So he comes to Jesus because he wants to be healed, and then Jesus doesn't heal him. Yes. He talks That's to little James. That's Is little it little James? James? Mm-hmm. Sorry, I got the name wrong. <laughs> a, yeah. Really bad with names. In we general. haven't met Barabbas in the Chosen yet. Yeah, so sorry. We didn't get we didn't get the early view on the season there. Uh, <laughs> we're not that special. <laughs> so little James goes to Jesus and talks about his condition. Because everybody he sees everybody around him getting healed. Mm-hmm. And in your situation, you'd be the same way. Mm-hmm. Why? And then I would, one of the questions I would ask is, because you were tired of asking why, is mm-hmm. because did you feel like you weren't getting any answers? I think I was... I think part of me was comp- just... How do you know when something's wrong with you? Well, you're asking. <laughs> well, yeah, I, mean, I mean, you look yeah, at what's it, going on around you. Had, once you've had, like, a literal emergency, mm-hmm. right? But before that point, yeah, that shit just looks normal, man. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. like, your life looks normal to you up until... Up until that point, but there's a lot of ground to cover before a suicide attempt, and it all frequently just looks normal to people that are living it, mm-hmm. right? So it's a difficult question. I'll I'll be honest with you. I put too much confidence in the wrong people. I'm, that's it. That can happen. And so I was getting. I mean, I was the wrong feedback. I was getting the wrong diagnosis, or I was getting the wrong medication given to me. I mean, to be completely honest with you, like, hey, here's antidepressants. Take these. How long were you on those? Off and on seven, eight years probably. Wow. Yeah. I would would take them, start dealing with the cycling, and then take myself off of them. So So little James has a conversation with Jesus. Now, the Mm -hmm. whole conversation in that story is, is speculative. Because it's not recorded in the Bible. Mm-hmm. But he comes up and asks Jesus, you know, why haven't I been healed? Because mm-hmm. Jesus is healed in Samaria. Yes. Samaritans and goes on and yes. on. And then he starts healing all kinds of other people. And close friends. But little James is a disciple and he still has this gimpy leg. Yes, he yeah. does. And he wonders, why haven't I been healed? Why haven't you? And part of it was he never asked. Mm-hmm. He never asked. He was afraid yeah. to ask. and. So when he talked to him, and, and Jesus' respond, his response was as perfect as it could be, was that in order for you, you can actually be a better servant working through what you have improved to other people with the same condition of who I am, and you can get past it. In fact, Jesus tells him that you will never be healed. He did. Jesus tells him that you won't be healed on this side. Not this side, the and next which side. makes him cry, right? Yes, but that—that's a good. I'm glad you're bringing that up. So I'm, we comfort those with the comfort that we've been given. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we I'm, help others with the help that we've been given. Mm-hmm. And I think that's kind of where you're going, I'm going with that. I'm going with that because I'm asking for somebody that's listening and maybe dealing with something that you've struggled with, and when they sit in front of people that that can help them, how do you? Explain to them what's going on so that where you're at now, you can help them ask maybe the right questions. Yeah, I would say honestly, I say let in with honestly. Honesty is the biggest thing. I, I there's no no right yeah, answer, no right I, answer. And, and I'm just trying to think of all the things that I felt like that I told to people that was 
that I told the doctors and stuff that didn't work for me. I mean, the first thing is, is if you're if you're at the point to where you are at the ideation phase, or or you're thinking about hurting yourself, or these thoughts are coming to your before that, don't suppress it. Don't suppress that at all. That's not a hey. That's nothing to play with because. Right. From my own personal experience, that's a that's a very short walk off a cliff. When you opened up in that realm to the person that you were talking to, did you see a change in them to help you better? It, it got quick. I awesome. mean, things. I mean, you can tell the difference in their face when you start talking about that stuff. The whole mood in the room changes. You know, you start. There, it's different. Awesome. And so, and anybody that's anybody that's even the thought enters their head. Or, you know, it's just kind of floating out there. You got, by all means, get get help. Let people know because. Well, just so that everybody knows that 988 is the nationwide uh, call center. Yes. That will direct you to the nearest. You can call or text 988 and get help. Whether you're thinking about suicide or you just think something's wrong, someone can help you get help in your area. I just heard today. Um, a statistic from 2022, and of course 2023 is going to be worse, but suicide has passed heart disease mm. and deaths, leading cause of death in America. There's there's an right interesting now. conversation being had around that, actually. Yeah. and uh, It's pretty serious. And, like and 135 a day. Nihilism. 135 people unalive themselves, as Tiziana says, a day in America. We the, went, the encroaching... Uh, the encroaching problem that Nietzsche actually warned about, apparently, which is like when uh, religion wanes and uh, nihilism becomes more widespread, like how does a population, not an individual person, but a population handle that? And will it be handled well or will it be handled poorly? And it's a thing we might actually be looking at. Well, you know, yeah. we don't like a vacuum. Something every- will fill it. Not everybody could be as chipper about nihilism as me. Yeah, yeah. look at you guys. <laughs> um, I want to ask or just kind of yeah. talk to you a little bit. Um, as someone who's been there with a handful of pills, I understand mm-hmm. that. Um, I'm not bipolar. I don't understand that. Um, did you ever have anybody, and this happened to me, uh, tell you that if you take medicine for it, you don't have enough faith uh, and oh, God yeah. to heal you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I had that happen. It, it, it right here in in sweet little Hendersonville. I had that happen to me, and it it was crushing yeah. to me. Had it happened in multiple states. God, so wow, that's that's the frustrating part about it. Is um, my my thoughts on it are is that you know we've got doctors, we've got medicine here to help with that, and. Um, it doesn't make well, you I was weak. told that yeah. I was told that just because I said, well, you know, 150 years ago, they couldn't see cancer. They called it consumption. So they couldn't see it in a microscope, but now they can. That doesn't mean in 150 years we won't be able to see whatever this is, assuming that we're still all around. Somebody won't be able to see what this is no. to see. <laughs> you, you didn't mean us. You meant the human race. Yeah, the human race. Because I was race. like, I'm not going to be here in 150 no, years. No, not me <laughs> either. Um, but I also want to stress that sometimes when you're down in that dark place and you're asking why, or even after you've come out of it and you're asking why, 
my husband looked at me one time and he goes, why not you? Why do you think that you don't have to suffer? Why? I don't understand. And I was like, whoa. He said, every other, most every other human being on the planet has to suffer with something. And so what are you going to take away from it? What are you going to learn from it? How are you going to use it to make our family stronger, Mm -hmm. to make your faith stronger in God? And so hopefully as Christians, we can come to that place. But when you're down there in that deep pit, it's hard to even see the light at the top. It's it's just so bad. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And and that that was the thing about it is, it's so easy to, in hindsight, it's like, man, why, why didn't I, why wasn't I stronger at that point, right? It's, you know, why didn't I have more faith at that point? But when you're in it, uh, strong is as simple as, I mean, Surviving. It's what, you know, it's just, you got to get through. And when you're living in it. There's not much strong to it. I think it's a common misconception, you know, within the Christian church, you know, when when it comes to mental health, because we read stories about demonic possession, you know, and maladies of the mind, that we think that because Jesus cast a demon out of a person or because Jesus healed a person of something, that if you have enough faith, then Jesus is going to cast this malady out of you. There's there is a big misconception, um, especially in the South, I will say, um, because it's it's really not the same way in a lot of the churches out west, but um, but here in the South, especially, there's there's a there's an ignorance towards it. I'm not saying that Southern people are ignorant. I'm saying that um, it's went in through tradition for so long, and they have such a dire a die hard faith. That what Jesus says can happen, and then if you have enough faith, you know, if you have the faith of a mustard seed, then you can look at the mountain and say, "Be thou removed." And and then you know, I know people that say, "Well, then you better bring your shovel," you know, like. <laughs> but they also say you you still have sin in your life, right? Well, there's always going to be that person in the faith that's going to come from this ignorant position that oh yeah, you know, that you could have a malady that could God fix it for you? Well. All of us Christians are going to say, yes. Am I wrong? All of us, are, we have enough faith to believe that, yes, will God— Sometimes our healing is not on this side. But when, but a lot of people say, well, will God do that for you? And so if you don't have enough faith, you're not going to say yes, right? The idea is that true faith is the evidence of things unseen, the substance of things hoped for. Right. So if you're going to show faith, then, then you've got to believe— that God's going to heal you. You'll you'll hear this in a lot of these a lot of these faith healing churches, a lot of these churches, a lot of the prosperity gospel preaching that I hear. The people that I loathe entirely because they're taking advantage of people, and that false hope. That's a part of the message. It is. Yeah, it is. And so, to me, like when I heard Nick say tonight. No, it's okay. I totally understand. I'm glad I have the hour. And I'm like, right on, man. Like to me, that shows a sign of maturity and that you've gotten yourself at this, like in this, you're level headed enough to say, okay, this is where I am today. I'm going to work with today. Oh, yeah. He's trusting the process. He's doing the work. Right. Mm. 
And to me, that, I mean, that's having faith in yourself. And I'm sorry, there's nothing wrong with that. Have I, faith in yourself. You got, I'm glad you finally got the help. I am, I'm finally got the right diagnosis. I'm and proud it, of you. And, and, you. and you're not the only one that's got these guys in your corner because, mm. you know, yeah. they're... Rick's been there for a lot of folks. He's listened to me several times. I've mm -hmm. called him and said, hey, I just got to talk. And he's always, when I called to talk to Rick, most of the time he's like, I got to go, I got to go, I got to go, I got to go. <laughs> but a couple of times I've said, hey, I need to talk. And he's just, it's like he stops the world and listens to what's going on. So Couldn't ask for better people. Yeah, really good. Not to mention, I'm incredibly good looking. <laughs> what can I say? From the back. Oh, wait, did Holly say that? <laughs> From the back. <laughs> um, so Nick, tell me right now. Okay, so how is your? You said it, it improved your faith, yeah. right? So let's talk about that for just a minute before we wrap this up. What has it done for your faith? If I was to sum it all up, this whole years and years of all this. And coming to where I'm at now, I believe, and I truly believe, God is so much bigger and is so much more encompassing than I ever understood. Amen. Amen. Because for the things that happened to me, and to look at that, and all the different pieces that had to come together for me to even still be here. And you go back to the wreck and you go back to the suicide attempts and you go back to all that. There was so much more right. outside of me that I didn't have control over. Mm -hmm. Right? Mm -hmm. This was the right people in the right spots and the right things happening at the right time. Well, that's right. Your cousin's showing up. Cousin's showing up. Right. Waking up. I mean, you took all those pills. You were done. You were done. <laughs> I mean, pills, alcohol, you should yeah. have been done. And so, you woke up. You're crying out and he's know. standing right there. Yeah. I mean, no matter what, yeah. no matter what I've done, God's been there. Yep. And, you know, at the end of the day, you know, uh, I'm here. He hasn't given up on me. Right, absolutely. And so, mm -hmm. you know, I, I believe that through all this, God's much bigger than what I ever gave him credit for. Yeah. So I was listening to Max Lucado share his testimony uh, on the way up here. And, um, and if you haven't heard it, you should probably go listen to it. But um, he said, I came to a point where I realized that if God can raise Lazarus from the dead, my problems seem mighty small in comparison mm -hmm. to, to the power that that took. And he said, it just put in perspective my alcoholism, and I had no idea that Max Licato was dealing with all of that in the past 10, 20 years. And, I mean, this is somebody we all know. Like, we all have a book probably on our bookshelf that has Max mm -hmm. Licato's name on it. Several. And here he was struggling, <laughs> sitting in the parking lot of the convenience store drinking Yeah. after church. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I mean, mm -hmm. it's insane. Mm -hmm. But he's, he finally said, if God can raise Lazarus from the dead, and I know how much— Rick and Rick like Lazarus, love Lazarus. But, Lazarus. Um, Blame Lazarus. That's hey, the Andy Bishop special. He wrote a book. What, what happened to me, buddy? <laughs> I was unmuting myself yeah. and instead soloed myself, which is the same as saying I muted literally everyone. Oh, so. Uh, right you said the word Bishop, too. So. I said it's an Andy Bishop special, and he's like, no. Yeah. Click. Yeah, no. <laughs> it, it, 
did actually record everything. It's just you <laughs> couldn't hear it because I hit the wrong button. Oh, oh but awesome sauce. There. I didn't get to hear myself talk. I'm so disappointed. <laughs> Man. Yeah. Well, so before I let Billy ask his final question like he always does, just out of curiosity, what's up with the socks, bro? <laughs> <laughs> I gotta know. Here's the deal. So my wife always talked about it, and I'm like, I gotta. What are you talking about? What is this guy? Let's hear it. <laughs> if you could see the look on my wife's face, I love it. You had to do this, didn't you? I sure did. <laughs> hey, just so you know, <laughs> Ralph is waving his bare feet. I got this thing with feet. I don't like him. <laughs> I uh, I got some pretty friends. I think I've got just feet. regular socks on today. I usually have. I don't like bare feet. Well, yeah. <laughs> you certainly are cutting off a revenue stream. <laughs> but that's your own choice. Your so, only your only so fans hear, isn't going. No, no. Um, I just ne- I I don't even like my own bare feet, y'all. There has been there's been one. My my daughter painted my toenails once. <laughs> I took a picture of it. And Which I sent I it to a couple of people. She has a picture of it. Oh, we got to see this. Which is the only picture of my feet that has ever been taken. If ever. you'll just go to the burrsbury.com forward slash yes. Nick's toes. Yes. <laughs> That'd be awesome. Yep. But uh, Not a very I don't know. Fan. I'm just. At, do you, you sleep know? with socks on? I do sleep with socks. Oh, I can't do it. No way. That's a I would, sin. I would punch yeah. you in the mouth. Only, oh, only in the winter. So warm. So warm. <laughs> so, warm. <laughs> so warm. You heathen. Only, only in the winter. So warm. Only the- I, uh, Never. I do it in the wintertime. Never. Not a chance. I don't even sleep under the covers oh. in the winter. No. Yeah, half the time. I I've always yeah, got no. a foot out. You don't know. do flip-flops. Don't do sandals. Don't. I mean, I just don't. Yeah. Yeah, that, that one foot out of the bed to regulate temperature. Yeah, big fan. But it can't hang off the bed because something will come out from under the bed. Even Andy. Yes. What about the beach? The beach socks on the beach. I don't go to the beach much. (laughs) Just for that reason, you got to go barefoot. No swimming pool. So if I invite you to the pool, are you going to wear your socks? I don't swim much. Yeah. Um, I don't go to the beach much, but that's for sand related issues. And <laughs> yeah, okay. Not a fan of the sand. Not a fan. So of this the is sand. driving you insane. Oh, and it's white. Not very it's comfortable. White <laughs> no. It's white toenail <laughs> polish, <laughs> folks. It's probably getting better the more it we is, talk about it. It is white. Oh, we no. are totally putting on that. Nice. Yeah. BurrowsAbria.com/slash/nickstoes. White toenail polish. Yeah. There we go. I've, I've I, had to like glitter purple and stuff, man. I'll yeah. go get a pedicure right now. I know. <laughs> I'm, I'm in. I'm in. Let's go. I, I think I know why. He, Girls' night. I think yeah. I know why he doesn't wear feet with Andy. <laughs> with Andy. Yeah. Even Andy. Yeah. Hey. A pedicure is a cheap way to like. It's like not a massage, but it's yeah. that's yeah. the same category yeah. of thing. It's just nice to have somebody pay attention to you like that. <laughs> yeah. We like to be pampered. Yeah, it's pampering. It's, My. My daughter was so proud of herself for that that uh, I was like, okay, this one time. Yeah. But- I have been known to take a picture when I'm having pedicures done and send them to Nick, though. <laughs> <laughs> Grossest thing in the world. Oh <laughs> oh, we we like- should all get his number and send pictures of our pedicure. No, no y'all no, leave the poor rude. guy Listen, alone. I'm that way when people like touch my feet. Except, honestly, except for my <laughs> wife. Most people get a straight kick in the mouth. <laughs> I'm not I, sure that well, I, uh, I've come pretty close. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
Almost. Yeah. I don't like to see the bottoms of people's feet on TV. Don't show me the bottoms of somebody's feet That's on TV. So that is it's kind of bizarre. That yeah. Is, yeah. It's very weird. I don't when like do it. they do that? I think they have a phone number for that, Have you too. ever seen it? Like, they're all laying in bed, and the bottoms of their feet are hanging off the bottom of the bed? Oh, yeah. No. Mm-hmm. No, ma'am. You don't mm-hmm. like it, huh? No, ma'am. Well, don't Billy, like, well The tops I, of them don't bother being me. Being grossed out by feet is kind of okay. Yeah. But the other people, they're weird. <laughs> <laughs> that is so true. But there's a place for yeah, it. Wrap us up, Billy. Wrap that's us a up. Okay. Phone number. All right. So, uh, so Nick, everything that's happened to you in the last 20 years and, and uh, your faith has obviously gotten stronger. Mm. Um, when, you, when you die, mm-hmm. um, what, what, do you, what do you think happens? Like instantly, like you rest, you go to heaven. Because we didn't get into what you, you no. know, like what you actually believe or what stage you're in or – um, so, so, so your what, eschatology, what, yeah, mm. exactly. I think we've so I think we've touched on this a little bit. I this this is gonna frustrate you, okay? I believe I'll figure it out when it happens okay. because mm, that work. My whole thought on it, I'm open to hearing anybody's viewpoint on it. Mm-hmm. I think it's a wonderful thing to discuss. I think it's one of the great opportunities that we have that we can discuss it because there's the, no wrong answer there's no, i don't think there's a wrong answer to it i think we can both look at the bible i think we can if we can look at the bible and say god sent jesus here to die for our sins everything else in the middle of that i think is always open to discussion and I all i know is that i'm really looking forward to seeing what that is one day mm-hmm. just not right now just yeah. not right now that's I think that's right a now. great way to end it for everybody that hey you know as long as we can agree that Jesus died for your sins the rest of it really you know it's just stuff written down I have to be right Ralph <laughs> well in your oh, mind you, you are, are in this room <laughs> <laughs> Nick you should have said with we can discuss it with humility yeah I'm right on <laughs> anyway, Nick, thanks for being hey, so yeah, honest. Hey, thank you all sharing for sharing that me. with us. Appreciate, yeah. appreciate well, absolutely. it. Absolutely. Yeah, and, yeah. and thanks for thanks for talking about the suicide because yeah. there are a lot of people out there and the healthcare system out here is, is it's 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 for clamped. I I know it is cuz I went on a newscast and told the state that it is. So, it uh, I'm glad that you did. Yeah, um, we're not we're not very good at it. Yeah. In in the yeah. U.S., no, I think we're in terrible. Yeah, we we need to do a, a better job. So thank you for for talking about it. And for those of you listening, you know nine eight eight. Yeah, that's for sure. Call or text. That if when your mind is there and you're thinking it's the only thing that it's the only answer, or you want that relief, think to yourself that maybe your mind isn't working properly. Yes, your situation is may seem bleak or may seem impossible. Um. I told my wife, I won't commit suicide. I'll just move to New Zealand because it's so random and weird, right? But I just decided one day, I was like, if it ever gets so bad that I think I'm going to end it, I'm literally going to get my passport and I'm going to fly and live in New Zealand just because I think it's beautiful there. And that's where I'm heading. It is. And I don't care. I'll go for that. I'll go. You know what I'm saying? Like, hey, so you can change your life. You don't, have to, you don't have to destroy it. You can just change it. Isn't that also where they have the largest concentration of uh, venomous snakes in the world too? I hope not. It's that or I, Australia, right? I think yeah. it's Australia. It's one of those 
Yeah. It's going to be one of them. They I have some. Something's there, Australia's got some crazy, yeah. like poisonous everything over there. Yeah. It's like spiders in your house. And what, what's that? The the something something plant. The one plant that if you touch it, you'll just like touch it. You'll just wish you were dead. Basically. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like you brush up against it, and you're just like, I I I. I would rather that die. Looks good. <laughs> <laughs> I brush up against the plant and be like, I'm going to New Zealand. <laughs> anyway, but thanks. Well, Nick. you wouldn't be too far. Thank you. You're right. Hey, you could I swim. Can, I think so. <laughs> be worth a shot. I can't even swim across the pool very much. Billy. Good day, mate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Jerry. See ya. Sarita, Andy. You bet. Rick. Yep. Thank you. Ralph Represent. and my lovely wife, Holly. See ya. Thank you guys for being here all in the studio. And thanks, guys, for listening. And we will talk to you guys again next time on the Burrows of Berea. Strip on Peace the barbie. Bye, Later. A little Vegemite sandwich. Hey guys, this is Rick from the Burrows of Berea. Do you know how much blood, sweat, and tears it takes to make a podcast? None. But that doesn't mean that it doesn't cost a lot. And so if you guys don't mind, if anybody would like to give to help us with these episodes, it would be great. We'll put out even more content. And if you go to our Patreon page, just search for the Burrows of Berea. You'll get extra notes, extra episodes, and it's pretty much free. A dollar gets you a lot. Thanks, guys. Oh, that's what I didn't do. <laughs> oh, I bounced that. I was editing an episode earlier today. There's a place where I said fuck and I didn't edit it. At Better get that. Little bitty accidenti. I think sure, I did cut it out. I just didn't put the comedic piano noise in yet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Who's got the good mouth trumpet? Me. Maybe Rick. Plays the solo. <laughs> I was waiting for Billy to like spin some fire. I just gotta reach back there and shake the thing. Shake the thing. What am I entered in here? I said it's a phone. He said, "Yeah, but." Where'd you get it? I said, I bought it. He said, where'd you buy it? I said, I bought it at the swap meet over a year ago. And you've had it here the whole time? I said, I don't have the ringer on. I just use it to call out. So in the middle of the night, you can call out and talk to your friends. Yeah, I can. He says, that's a pretty nice phone. He said, I wouldn't care if you put that in the living room because it was a touch-tone <laughs> phone. And we had the dial. Me. Yes, rotary. Me. So I didn't put it in there for a couple of months, and then I finally... Do you remember the rotaries that looked like touch-tones when they came out? No, I never So it's like a those. rotary, but it had... Where the where yes. you put your finger and it had a button. Oh, <laughs> yeah. And uh, and so when I moved out just before I turned eighteen, he said, uh, "I don't care if you leave that phone here." So I left my dad my phone because the place I moved into was a place down the street, and there was a big yellow phone with a with the hundred foot cord or however. Yeah, long. you could get it into with with ours. You could get it in the guest room and shut the door. They're yeah. not allowed to have phones in their bedrooms upstairs. So How old are they? 17 and 15. Really? Wow. They must leave them downstairs at 930, plugged in. Mm. Yep, code's off. They comply. I did that with the kids for a while, and then... But and my older point, one is 19, and she does not. Lexi's got straight A's. My, mom's, my wife's like, she's got straight A's. What do you want from her? I'm like, all right. And we got this boy living with us, and I tell him, 1030, 
Phone off. Nobody on the phone. Last night, 11 o'clock, I'm like, dude, he's, it's my sister. That's not what I asked you. I said, I thought we weren't on phones. It's my sister. That's not what I asked you. Because I told him if he keeps it up, that will happen. He'll have to give her the phone at 1030 uh, at night. Cause, and he was playing game on the, on the TV. I'm like, dude, we're leaving for school at 7. It is 11. Turn off the TV. Go to sleep. I used to never go to bed at 11. Tell your sister she can't call till after 10.30. That's I, it. I take a nap at 8.30 now before I go to bed. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. it's not, it doesn't sound like a bad proposition there, Billy. That, yeah, that's no. nice. Just as long as you get in the bed before you wake back it's up. It's called sleep conditioning. Yeah, yeah. A little nap before bedtime. You're priming the pump. And that what I used to call it? You're priming yeah. the pump? Yeah. You're priming yeah. the pump it. for sleep. Yeah. If I did that, though, I'd never go back to sleep. But oh, menopause is hard yeah. on ladies. I'm getting yeah. older every day. Sometimes hey, I go to bed at midnight. Menopause is hard on men, too. No doubt. Wah, wah. Do we need a little horn sound effect? <laughs> Who do you think puts up with you guys? <laughs> Oh, Ralph, she's going to yeet you out the <laughs> door. Hey, come on, Nutslick. She won't be the first. 